amen, amen, amen. Mark chapter number 14, and we're going to start reading in verse number 55. Mark 14 and 55, and the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none, for many bear false witness against him. That's hard to believe in our washed minds and our spirits that have been so blessed and complimented with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's hard to believe that so many people could actually be against him. Yes, verse number 57, and there arose certain and bear false witness against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. Skipping down to verse number 65. And some began to spit on him. Now this, this verse of Scripture goes beyond my wildest imaginations in the negative. It's hard for me to conceive of this. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and buffet him. That means hit him. And to say unto him, prophesy. And the serpents did strike him with the palms of their hands. Skipping down to chapter number 15, verse number 4. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. And then skipping to verse 13. And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. Skipping down lastly to verse number 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands and our voices and let's pray for the remainder of this service today. Come on, let's earnestly pray. We took the time to dress, be well-groomed, we are here interacting with the Spirit of the Almighty God and the eternal Word of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray that your Spirit will reign supreme in every heart, in every mind, in every soul, in every life. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. As I've already alluded to in your hearing this morning, it is hard for the regenerated mind, the eyes that have been opened, the heart that has been washed, the understanding that comes through an illuminated word 
the power of his spirit. It's hard to comprehend that anybody could ever be against such a wonderful Savior. God manifest in the flesh. But indeed, this actually, this particular passage of Scripture did actually occur. The change in it all, Brother Bass preached several weeks ago about the donkey and his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But I find in the Word of God even a fulcrum that is in the hands of a false balance that is even more telling that in John chapter 11 with the resurrection of Lazarus, there was something that was about this miracle that it is not the only occasion that somebody came back to life under the power of the word of God. But it is the first time that somebody came out of the grave as a precursor to the great resurrection on that day that is described in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Jesus waited until he wasn't just dead, but Jesus waited until the end of life in a body began to take its course and it was without question that this man was dead and his body began to degenerate. And on the fourth day, Jesus made his journey to Bethany for the sole purpose of resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. This miracle was so notable that the people that were there, nothing else seemed to faze them. Blinded eyes that were opened, healings that were done in a multi-flurious, multi-dimensional way. The incredible, wondrous words and the, and the great preaching did not seem to touch this group. But they that were there for the resurrection of Lazarus were forever changed and forever impacted. And Jesus knew that with this resurrection, with this miracle, it is going to turn the tide against him. Of course, he knew that he was sent for this very hour. But God needed human skepticism. And God needed human doubt. And God needed the evil that lurked within the hearts of humanity to bring about the fulfillment of prophecy that had gone forth many, many years before. The Bible tells me in John chapter 11 and 12 that there were some that left that miracle and went directly to the Pharisees to report to them what had happened. The Pharisees, upon hearing this, recognized that if we do not stop this Jesus, and I am quoting from the Word of God, 
that all men will follow after him. Well, I've got news for all of those pharisaical leaders. If we'll continue to lift him up, Cornerstone, God will draw all men unto him. Doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what evil men say. It doesn't matter what an evil report will bring. Praise will cut through the darkness and God will reign supreme. Clap your hands and give him the praise. But this diabolical plan had already been hatched. And this was the tipping point in an unjust ballot. Now, what had been talked about behind closed doors would now become a reality. Judas is in the process, of course, of becoming highly paid for his betrayal. There is a sign of a kiss, a destination, a plan is hatched, and this program goes into gear. You remember the story how that Jesus prayed a stone's throw beyond in the garden. And then he is taken by evil hands. He is taken into the praetorium to be judged. But he is not being judged by even hands and an even ballot. He is being judged by evil minds and evil hearts. The Bible tells us in our text, in Mark chapter number 14 and in Mark chapter number 15, that first there was a trial with the religious leaders, and then they moved him to a trial among magistrates and among Roman rule. And in each one of these trials, there were false witnesses that were brought forth. There were false witnesses that, in an attempt to make this look genuine, in an attempt to make this look like it was fair, in an attempt to make this look like everything was above board, there were false witnesses that were brought forth to paint Jesus in a negative light. And ultimately, he is condemned of religious leaders. And then he is passed over to Pilate. Pilate has a conversation with Jesus. And there are many false witnesses and their testimonies that begin to ring through the corridors, not just of the praetorium, but the ears and the mind even of Pilate when he said, what do you have to say for yourself? Do you not hear all of the evil things they have to say about you? Ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter what the world says about us. It does not matter what other people say about us. The only thing that really matters is what God says about us. trial that was 
greatly stacked against Jesus. And in a way of pacifying the Jews, ensuring that there was no uprising so that Pilate could live safely another day, he attempted to mollify the crowd by giving them the opportunity at a special time when a prisoner was let loose, either Barabbas or Jesus. Barabbas is a thief and a murderer, kind of sounds like the description of the devil. And because the people feared the religious leaders, the crowd was already shaped. The answer and the decision was already made. And so when Pilate asked the crowd, whom did they want? They screamed with a loud voice, give us Barabbas. He then asked, what will I do with Jesus? And the answer was crucify him. Oh, how I wish some of these people could walk into Cornerstone on a Sunday morning and see a group of people that are lifting his name above Hollywood and above professionalism and above denominationalism. And they reach into the reality of a relationship with the living God. Why don't we just praise him here for a moment? Why don't we lift our voices and tip the balance on the side of reality? Come on, Hollywood is cursing him. They use his name in vain. But you've come to a place that's going to exalt him. Come on, somebody. Exercise your choice and give him praise. Hallelujah. And so I have come to this building today to set the record straight. I have come here to this building today to give Jesus a fair trial. Would you lift your hands and give God the praise? All right, boys. Come on, somebody, let's praise him. You know, I'm sorry, but I think we can do better than this. I think every time I walk in this building, I have a responsibility to show the prince of the power of the air. There ain't no chains on these hands. This mouth is not gagged. This heart is made up. This mind is made up. These eyes have seen the glory. This spirit has been regenerated. Let everything that have breath.
Praise God. You may be seated. In the presence of the judge of the quick and the dead, in the presence of the prince of the power of the air, the accuser of the brethren, in the presence of God and all his holy angels, welcome to our court, Pastor Rick Mayo presiding. 2,000 years ago, there was a mistrial that was performed that was greatly stacked against an innocent man. He was found guilty under less than factual facts, pretense, and an evil design. We declare to you today to give Jesus a fair trial. So, I bring this court to order. Our very first witness this morning is Brother Gene Clark. Would you please come? Please, come quickly. We have more than a few witnesses here today. Please put your right hand on the Bible. Oh, help you, God. Do it again. He's got, I'm sorry, put your left hand on the Bible and lay, raise your right hand. No, we're going to play by the rules because we're going to shut the devil down. Please come and take the witness stand. That's the witness stand. Would you please state your full name? Gene Allen Clark. Where were you born? Bellingham, Washington. Now... <clears throat> Clark, would you please tell this court when you met this Jesus? Yes. Man, you're February the 14th, 1971. On Valentine's Day? Yes, sir. Very nice. All of these witnesses that are coming before you today have not been coached. They've not been counseled. They have not been told what this is. That would be wit witness tampering. They have not been guaranteed a prize. That would be quid pro quo. Would you say that meeting Jesus has changed your life? Oh, yes. <laughs> In what way? I was blind, and when I met him, he gave me my sight. Gave you your sight? Yes. Are you talking about physical sight? No, sir. I'm talking about insight into all the wonderful things that were coming my way 
from turning my back on a world and a life of sin and putting my life into the hands of one that cared so much for me. Now, that he he gave his life for me. Thank you. Has this Jesus ever healed you? Oh, my. Could you give us several examples? I can give you several examples. One, One morning, I was so absolutely sick that I could not sit up. But I made up my mind that I was going to go and I was going to worship him and I was going to give him the praise and the adoration that he so richly deserved for what he did for me. And I got dressed and I went to church and I was too sick to sit up. And my pastor came and laid hands on me and prayed for me by the authority in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What is it about that name? It's above every name. <laughs> what is it about that name? Oh, it sets the vilest sinner free. <laughs> what is it about that name? That name is above every name. That name is the only name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. What would you Hallelujah. say to somebody that said that Jesus is not a healer? I would say they have never experienced him. They have never been in his presence. What would you say to somebody that said that Jesus is not a savior? They have never, never experienced the joy of the Holy Ghost flooding into their soul and cleansing their black heart and turning it white and making everything clean again. They've never experienced the thrill, hallelujah, of the mighty God in Christ coming to indwell into their spirit to lift them out of sin and to set them upon a rock, to establish them and to make them into what he desires for them to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right Thank you, now. Elder Clark. You can now be excused. I don't know if I'm ready or not. <laughs> if you need healing, what other proof do you need? If God will do it for him, God will do it for you. You may be seated. At this time, we are going to invite Sister Tracy Cobbs to come to the witness stand. Please take the witness stand. Please state for this court your full name. Legally, it's still Bartlett, but Tracy Lynn Michelle Bartlett, almost Cobbs. Oh, <laughs> oh so there was a name change. There was. What happened? I got married. <laughs> Where did you meet your husband? In church. <laughs> How long have you known this Jesus? September of 2012. 2012. Mm-hmm. That's actually quite recently. 
What were some immediate things that took place in your life after meeting this Jesus? There's so many, I don't think I would have time to go into all of it. Please state a few to the court. There was complete and total inner healing, outer change physically with the way I presented myself, the way I acted, the way I spoke. God came in and just grabbed a hold of me. What was your life like? Could you describe it in a few words, what your life was like? Before you met this Jesus. Bondage. Absolute bondage. I was abandoned. I didn't have a family really. I had a mom and dad. But they were just so far from my heart. And as soon as I started. As soon as I started living for God. He just completely flipped it around. And gave me this beautiful family. That just cares about me so much. And God healed me. Healed my heart. And brought me from such a bad background. I was involved in drugs. I was partying. I was hanging out with rock and rollers, taking pictures and doing photography for most of the big bands in Spokane. So I was really heavy into that lifestyle. Okay, so you you were healed. I was healed. You were delivered. I was absolutely delivered. You were set free. Yes. You now have self-respect. Yes. Because of this Jesus. Yes. Let's clap our hands in your face, devil. God's pulling them out with a mighty hand. Did you tell your mother and father about this, Jesus? They actually brought me in. Did you tell your, your brother about this? They brought him in. <laughs> so you believe that everybody should hear about this? Absolutely. Abs why would anybody want to live with that degree of bondage in the world? It's only because they've never experienced. Because when you have a personal experience, nobody can take that away from you. Has he ever let you down? No. Has he ever abandoned you? No. Has he ever rejected you? Absolutely not. Has he ever not answered a prayer? No. Has he ever not been there for you? No. I think we should lift our hands and give the God of glory the praise. What more proof would you need if you're lonely here today? Oh, what more evidence would you need? If you're walking with wounds in your heart and wounds in your spirit, let's clap our hands and give God praise. This court would now like to invite Charles Brumfield to the witness stand. Please take the witness stand. And I told every one of these witnesses to be ready. And it was like, Pastor, what are you doing? Here it is. I wish we could put one of those bright lights on you. 
please state your full name to this court? Charles Bruce Brumfield. What day were you born? Uh, December 7, 1968. Happy birthday. Thank you. It's not here yet, but it's fine. That's, right. That's okay. I won't be here. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. How long have you known this Jesus? Since uh, March, March 7th of 2007. Where are you from? From Los Angeles, California. What was your life like before you met this Jesus? Oh, wow. Uh, chaotic, fragmented, and uh, I was gone astray. Chaotic. Could you be more, could you elucidate? Uh, for 30, almost 33 years of my life, from a teenager to an adult, uh, I was in, in a revolving door syndrome of in and out of uh, the correction system. The penal system, getting in trouble, uh, drugs, alcohol, and everything else that came with street life. So you're telling this court that you, you had a record. Yes, sir. So you've been in a courtroom before. Yes, sir. So you know how important it is to tell the truth. Yes, sir. And you know what happens to people that don't tell the truth. Yes, sir. Give me one example of what Jesus has done for you. Uh, about three years ago, I was diagnosed with hepatitis, and they told me that uh, my Which liver, strain of hepatitis? Uh, hepatitis C. And uh, they told me that my liver wasn't doing too well, that my enzymes and that my liver was releasing into my bloodstream were too high. That meant that I had it for a good portion of my life, the doctor said. And that was from early uh, drug use as a, as a youth. At 14 years old, I tried heroin for the first time. You tried heroin for the first time at the age of 14? Yes, sir. And because of that, you contracted hepatitis type B. Yes, what sir. did Jesus do for you? He healed me when my doctor said that it wasn't guaranteed the medication that I was going to be taking because he had people on his caseload that weren't getting healed from it. But I looked at my doctor and I told him, I said, my God is going to heal me. Yes. Have you and I discussed these questions? No, sir. Have you and I talked about these answers? No, sir. What more evidence would you need sitting Hallelujah. in a congregation like this? Hallelujah. Yes. If you need healing, if you need deliverance. If you need to be brought out with a mighty hand, Hallelujah. I think we should clap our hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. I understand you have a family. Yes, sir. Brother Charles? Yes, sir. Are they happy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand you have a son that was singing on this platform. Yes, sir. The court might like to add that how wonderful it would be to have a father and a son together in the house of God. Amen. Do you consider that a miracle? I do, amen. Do you I consider do, that do. from God? Yes, yes, do. You I do. Cons yes, yes, I do. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. With so many fragmented families. Yes. 
with so many fragmented relationships, I think it's a great opportunity for us to clap our hands and give God the praise. What more evidence would you need? So you're married. Yes, sir. Please tell this court what the odds would be of you still being married without God. Well, uh, in 1998... I'm asking the bailiff to watch the pew and make sure that everybody <laughs> keeps their composure, please. In, in 1998, even before I even met my wife, uh, I cried out to God from my prison cell about 2.33 in the morning. I told God uh, I needed a godly wife. I wanted a wife that was raised in the church. I wanted a wife that was different than what I was accustomed to. I knew I was destined to serve God because I come from a Christian background, but I thank God that he gave me a wife that was brought up in truth. That led me, the, God led me the right way. So. And because you have a godly wife. Yes, sir. You now have an entire, all of your children are yes, in sir. church. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. What reason would you have, sir, for even considering anything but this? What reason would you have to even consider any other way of raising your family? I think we should clap our hands and give God the praise Amen. Amen. over this incredible Amen. testimony. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Charles. Yes, you may sir. come down. Yes, Somebody needs to shout. Somebody needs to lift your voice. Somebody needs to praise him. I am not going to be a false witness. I'm not going to be a witness for sin. I'm not going to be a witness for the devil. I'm going to be a witness for truth. At this time, the court would like to invite Sister Flower Earls to the witness stand. Please state your entire name. Flower Leticia Earls. Okay. Um, how long have you been in Cornerstone? 17 years. 17 years. That's a long time. That's enough to provide evidence of stickability, consistency, something enduring. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself before you found this Jesus? Um, I was a ward of the state as a juvenile. I graduated the foster system when I was 18. I was raised in a drug home, and I lived the life of a drug trafficker as an adult. I'm hearing a lot about drugs. Were you in an environment where doing drugs was the norm? Yes. How old were you when you first started doing drugs? Fifteen. 
Had you seen or been around people doing drugs for much earlier than that? Yes, all my life. So that type of a lifestyle was, at least at that point in your life, considered to be the norm. Very much. So you were invited to Cornerstone? I was in jail, and I received a letter from my sister that told me I was going to go to hell. Is your sister in this audience today? She is. <laughs> well, because the evidence is sitting before us, I would have to say, well done. As this court looks upon you this morning, you don't look like a person on drugs. That is right. You don't look like a person that has been raised in an environment where doing drugs was the norm. Correct. This court was exposed to a little bit of your past. Is it true that you lived in a school bus? Yes, sir, for two years. How long have you known this Jesus? For 17 years, but he's been there my whole life. And you, like the others, tell us a little bit about your transformation experience. Whenever I was in a different state, I received that letter. I just finished 90 days in solitary confinement in a jail, in a county jail, and I... You sound like a bad person. I was not a good person. You I sound like a very naughty person. I was not good. <laughs> I was um, actually segregated from the general population of, of my jail. So I was in a hole without sunlight for 90 days. And I received the letter, and I thought, I don't want to go to hell. And I got on a one-week ticket to a city I've never heard of, and... Um, came to Cornerstone and was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name the first day I was here. No coercion. No quid pro quo. No coaching. Somebody needs to give it up. If God will do it for her, I wonder what God would do for your kids. I wonder if you should have brought your kids to service today. I wonder what would have happened if God had them in the audience. Now, we know a little bit about who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your life now yes. with Jesus? Yes. Um, right now, um, I and my husband... Brother your, your husband. My husband, who I met in church. <laughs> you met your husband in church. I did. Okay, you were in solitary confinement. Correct. You were afraid of going to hell. Correct. You repented of your sins. Yes. You were baptized in Jesus' name. Yes. You were filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. And then you found a husband. Yes. And then you found a husband. I'm doing this for some yes. of your benefit. Yes. And, yet, and not on a dating site. And no. then you found a husband. Yes. Not on a single site. <laughs> and then you found a husband. Not on Tinder. And then you found a husband. Yes. Then I found a husband. Um, and 
after years of being saved, my husband and I, he's a, he's a social worker by trade, and we felt like in our life we would we have a burden to touch children who, um, you know, we I fell through the cracks, but if we can get them young, and so we actually have two centers, and we serve over 200 children in the Spokane population, and they are just like we wait, were. Wait, 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 wait. So now you're helping other children. Yes, sir. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. In fact, you're, you're helping over 200 children a day because of Jesus. And their parents. Thank you. I think we should put our hands together. Are you looking for purpose? You need Jesus. Are you looking for direction? You need Jesus. Are you looking for something to do with the rest of your life? I think you need Jesus. This court would also like to add that Sister Flower Earls is the administrative head of operations of this church. Oh, you guys use ex-drug addicts. We'll use ex-anybody if you know who Jesus is. court would like to invite Brother Cody Cobbs to this witness stand. Please take the witness stand. Now your wife was up here just a few months ago. Yes, sir. So I'm not worried about you misbehaving. She might crack a whip. I'm going to ask that the stenographer strike that from the record. <laughs> um, state your full name. Cody Matthew Kenneth Cobbs. Two middle names? Yes, sir. For my dad's first name and his best friend's first name. Where are you from? I was born and raised in Ogden, Utah, and I lived there for 23 years. How did you hear about this Jesus at this level? Or tell us the story of what brought you to Cornerstone, which led you to another level of experience. Well, I had been raised in a Christian home, Christian, not fully in truth, um, pretty much all my life, and had had a lot of trouble, and God had, right around the age of 19, had started to work on me and pull me out of some things drugs, alcohol, um, poor, rela bad relationships. Were you a like troubled that. youth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Please continue. And um, so from 19 on, I kind of just had a battle back and forth of trying to fully dedicate myself to God and stay free from sin and the ties of this world, I guess. <laughs> And uh, 
I ended up back in sin and um, was having a child out of wedlock. How old were you? I was 23 years old. So just for the understanding of the court, you were raised in quote unquote, yes, and sir. you use this term loosely, yes, sir. a Christian home. Yes, sir. Okay. My parents did the best they could. Okay. At what point did you begin to hunger for spiritual things? Probably four years old. Okay. At what age were you when you received the Holy Ghost, and where did this happen? I believe I was about 21 years old, and I was working and praying in a janitor's closet at was what was a non-denominational church. Okay. So you received the Holy Ghost in a janitor closet? Yes, sir, seeking the Lord. What happened after that? Uh, God started to open my eyes to a lot of the false doctrine and traditions of men that were coming across the pulpit and in modern Christianity. Hold right there. Are you wanting this court to believe that you were in a denominational church? And after you received the Holy Ghost, you began to see things. 100%, yes, sir, without a doubt. Please elucidate. There was just a very wide gap and disparity between what I was seeing in the Word of God, what I was feeling from the Spirit of God, and what I was seeing right there in front of my face. What happened after this? A uh, little bit of time and still tried, tried to live for God, tried to, you know, find consistent work. And Would, Could we say that you tried to make the best of where you were? 100%. What did you do about that? I cried out to God because it wasn't enough. Please explain that to the court. I just knew I didn't have everything I needed. I could just... I felt in my spirit just I couldn't deny that I needed something more, but I just didn't know what it was. Was it something that you saw in the word that was lacking? No, sir. The word of God was not lacking. Okay. You were in a denominational church, and you saw things that didn't yeah, line up. Yeah, from like preaching and their teaching and stuff like okay. that. that okay. Makes sense. Okay. Okay. Did that start you on a journey? Absolutely, yeah. Tell us about that journey and how that led you to Cornerstone. Uh, it's kind of tricky because that time was very chaotic. Um, basically, I just, God would touch me. God touched me and pulled me out of, these, out of sin and all of these things. It was kind of a process to get here. And I think if God had tried to bring me here without kind of processing me a little bit, I might not have stuck Okay. Well, um, but I know that um, basically, I guess in a nutshell, after I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I started, God's first confirmed, he's like, all right, you're not where you need to be. He spoke to me. He would work with me in these places. Oh, say, this court needs to understand that God spoke to you. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. After you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And before that, yes, sir. Now, it is also the understanding of the court that you have family that is in this church that is seated in this court today. 
Yes, sir. And who might that be? Uh, that would be Candace, Courtney, Melody, Courtney, Ramil Sakpopo. <laughs> okay. Melody Sakpopo now. Okay. Uh, Kenneth Courtney and Bradford Courtney. Okay. So, so you had family members that were already in, in Cornerstone. Yes, sir. What did they tell you? Nothing. They didn't? No. Okay. I, but I saw a difference. I saw them at my grandmother's funeral, and when I saw them, there was something very different about them. Can you explain that to the court? What was different about your cousins? They, they were real. They were genuine. They were in a place where they wanted to pursue an even deeper relationship with me as their family more than they had before. And uh, that was the last I saw them until God spoke to me and told me to come to Spokane. Okay, so God told you to come to Spokane after you saw your cousins. Yes, sir. That were already attending Cornerstone. Yes, sir. And what happened when you came to Cornerstone? Well, the first thing that happened was I had no idea what to expect. They didn't really, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but they didn't really give me a, much of a heads up. They're like, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm like, okay. And so I, but um, I was in a very chaotic place where I had a child on the way. The mother of my son was talking about killing herself, getting an abortion. And I just, she'd cut me out of her life. And I was just worried about the uh, well-being of my child and wanting to make my next steps right in the sight of God. And I was just seeking to find a way to make it right. And God used that to bring me to Cornerstone. What was your, your very first visit to Cornerstone like? My foot crossed the threshold into the sanctuary. And I felt, I felt God tremendously throughout my life. And he had healed me and delivered me of things to bring me along the way. Because if he hadn't, I probably, God's honest truth if God had not worked with me in those places, I would be dead. You are under oath, so please tell the truth. Now, Absolutely. listen, I noticed in this service today that you're running the aisles. Yes, sir. In fact, I'm noticing that you're the first one in the aisles. Could you explain <laughs> to this court why that is? He saved me. He saved me from myself. He if saved there was me. somebody in this court that needed to hear what you had to say right now, what would it be? Just don't give up. Let God, just let God, <laughs> let God take control of your life. So you're a firm believer that people can be in process that are on their way to this. Absolutely. Just like you were. Yes, sir. And then you were baptized in Jesus' name. Yes, sir. Had you been baptized before you came to Cornerstone? Three times. How were you baptized those three times? Uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. How were you baptized when you came to Cornerstone? In the name of Jesus. Did that make a difference? It made every single... Did that last, make a difference? It made the difference. Did that make a difference? It made the difference. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Yes, sir. How do you know you received the Holy Ghost? I felt the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was Did like, you speak with other tongues yes, as the Spirit gives the utterance? Uncontrollably. Let's clap our hands and give God the <laughs> praise. Thank you, Brother Cobbs. You may step down. Yes, sir. I think we got to lift our voice and give him. We're here in the face of every lion devil, the prince of the power of the air, the accuser of the brethren.
We're here to make it right. God bless you. You may be seated. At this time, the court is asking Brother Chris Earls to come to the witness stand. Now, Brother Earls, your wife was just up here. Yes, sir. And so I know that you're going to behave. Absolutely. And your daughters are watching. Yes, sir. Did you have children before you came here? No, sir. Did you have a wife before you came here? No, sir. Did you have peace before you came here? No, sir. Did you have joy before you came here? Not like this. But you were an active member, even administratively, in another local church. Yes, sir. Just for the sake of the understanding of this great congregation, please explain that, Brother Earls. I uh, was attending another church with a couple of friends and my brother, I, and they stopped going. I was faced with the decision of, was I there for them or was I there for God? And I continued to keep going. I had a hunger for God. I was involved with their Sunday school department, and I uh, continued. I had been baptized at that church, quote-unquote baptized. Uh, it was in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I had a little certificate, uh, but things were not changing. It was not uncommon to go ahead and go out and party night before and then show up to church with a hangover. Okay, just for the understanding of this court, you were baptized in the church that you were, you were involved in the Sunday school department? Yes, sir. How were you baptized in that church? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did anything happen to you when you were baptized? No, sir. So at some point, Although you were actively involved in another church, you came to Cornerstone. Yes, sir. Who invited you? My dad and my stepmom. Your dad and your stepmom. Can you explain in a few words what your first visit was like to Cornerstone? I had come. Uh, they were planning on being baptized, and I came. And I sat in on a Bible study called The New Birth. Uh, I was asked, I was given a Bible study on the new birth. Uh, Excuse I, me, who taught that Bible study? Pastor Mayo. Hallelujah. Um, I had forgotten. It was. Uh, Please strike that from the record, stenographer. We just wanted clarification. Please proceed. So in the Earls. Bible study, um, first question was asked, where in this book does it say that you're saved? Uh I must, I don't know where I heard this from. I don't know what compelled me to say it. I could not have quoted it to save my life. But I said, John 3.16. Pastor Mayo then said, good, let's turn there. We read it, and he goes, what about the first 15 verses? I said, I don't know. So we read through it, and he gave me the Bible study on the new birth. Um, I was using study notes at the bottom of my uh, study Bible at that time, to defend my position on why I was okay, because I'd already been baptized at my previous quote-unquote church. 
And uh, I'd like to say I received the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism, but I did not. It came months later. Uh, should I carry on? No, stop. So what you're telling this court is, is that not only had you been baptized in what is considered to be the largest church in Spokane, you were also active in their Sunday school department. Yes, sir. You've also mentioned to this court that it was, it was permissible to drink. Yes, sir. You've also stated to this court that upon coming to Cornerstone, you were offered a Bible study. Yes, sir. And you, volunteer, you volunteered to go through the Bible study. Yes, sir. What did you do with the information that was revealed to you in that short Bible study? Initially, I just discarded it. Um, but uh, in continuation on to my story, I was at a quote-unquote Christian concert. Uh, there was a song that was playing, and I was looking around the audience, and I thought, man, these people are here to worship God. And for the first time ever in my life, God impressed upon me. He said, search the scriptures. And in my mind, I said, why, God? I've already done that because I had been to this Bible study. And he said, search them again. And with that came the understanding that these footnotes are now off guard. What does the word of God have to say about baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost? So I was compelled at this point. I went back through and I began to search through the book of Acts about baptism because of the Bible study I'd received. And time and time again, I could not deny that they were only baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. How many times did you see in the scriptures where people had been baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Never once. I'm sorry? It was never once that people were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But surely it's in the scriptures. Only mentioned in Matthew 28, 19, but it says in the name. So even though in your mind it says baptized in the titles in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, in your study, nobody was ever baptized that way. That is correct. How many times through your study were they baptized in Jesus' name? At least four. At least four times. And never in the titles. Correct. At what point were you baptized in Jesus' name? December 8th, 2002. Did you feel a difference? Absolutely. Did you sense that you were washed? Oh, yes. Did you sense that you were cleansed? God did it. Did you know that you had obeyed the word of God? Yes. And when were you filled with the Holy Ghost? That same service. Were you, what happened when you were filled with the Holy Ghost? God fulfilled the vision he had given me when I came up out of the water. I'd be speaking in other tongues, and that's exactly what happened. Speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Is that what you want this court to believe? Absolutely. It's the this truth. is against false doctrine. This is against misinterpretation, misrepresentation. There are some in our culture... Brother Earls, that believe that Pentecost is for the uneducated and the over-emotional. 
Have you received your Associate of Arts degree? I have an AAS in Culinary Arts, yes, sir. Have you received your Bachelor of Arts degree? I received a Bachelor's of Social Work. Have you received your Master of Arts degree? Yes, sir. I received my Master's from USC. Are you now looking at a program of candidacy to get your PhD? I am considering a doctorate, yes, sir. In the face of every lion devil, that this is for the poor and the emotionally weak. Let's stand to our feet and give God all the praise and all the glory. We're here to shut down every lion devil. We're here to shut down every false magistrate. We're here not to speak evil against dignitaries, but to correct the falsehood, to right the wrong, to get the truth in the face of every lion devil. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, you witnesses of the truth. Let's clap our hands and give the praise to God. I don't know if I've ever been in a church service quite like this, but I felt so strongly that we had a duty to give Jesus a fair trial. Let's lift our hands and love him again. Make sure you go home and get on the telephone and tell all those people sitting in that church that there's a greater dimension, a greater revelation, a greater deliverance, a greater power. These are people just like you. These are people just, these are not people that were hatched in a manger somewhere. These are people that sat in churches for years. Come on, somebody clap your hands and lift your voice and give God the praise. These are not false witnesses. These are not a misrepresentation. These are not a false representation. These are people that God has brought into the illumination of the power of a revelation that is given by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And so there may be among us here today some that have visited, or maybe this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We're not counting. But maybe you're here today and you're just thinking, you know, I sense something among that group of people. And I feel something amongst this group of people. I think you've heard enough to know that it's okay to make your move. It's okay to move forward. It's okay to obey God. I'm inviting the musicians to come. I want you to lift your hands, and we're going to open up this altar right now, wherever you're from, whoever you are. Maybe, there, maybe there's somebody from Cornerstone standing next to somebody, and they're saying, you know what? Come on, let's go pray. Let's get more today. Let's get more than you've ever gotten in your life before. Let's, let's take Jesus at his word today. Let's, let's build this on valid testimonies from people that were in one place but now have come to higher ground. I'm going to invite the entire church. I want you to just come on. Let's just come right into the altar today. And when you get down to this altar, let's lift our hands and give God all the praise.
inviting everybody to come. Everybody has a story here. I'm sorry we couldn't get to everybody because you understand the time constraints of that. But everybody has a story here. Let's lift our hands and give God great praise. Just if it's appropriate, just lay your hands over on the shoulder of somebody. Let's pray one for another, and let's give God all the praise here today.